0: Amy Carroll.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 59th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. And I have a confession I just discovered that there's a front and a back to your mic. So, just uh, learn from my mistake. Make sure you can see the little button lit up when you're speaking into your microphone, people. <laughs> now, if you want to find out more about me, what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel. You can download the app there or tune in directly using your favorite podcast app. If you missed last week's show, you, um, it was an interview I did with Chaya Mystery and we discuss what it means to be a more human leader. She's a delightful person, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that interview from October 8th. Now today, my guest is a writer, a personal trainer, a firefighter, a tabletop game designer, a three-time Ironman triathlete, an amateur evolutionary biologist, and also happens to be my nephew, Colin Carroll. Welcome, Colin.
2: Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Aunt Amy. It's actually this this is pretty typical for me. Every podcast or media appearance I've ever done, presumably ever will do, it's just because I'm related to the host.
1: <laughs> well, good thing we have a big Irish Catholic family. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. We're just waiting for all the aunts and uncles to move through it. And you know, you and my dad are each one of seven, and my mom is one of six. So really. There are a lot of podcasts out there. Statistically, <laughs> half of them are hosted by someone I'm related to.
1: <laughs> so um, for the listeners, call you grew up in Westport, Connecticut, and you spent uh, time, you spend now time half between your uh, roommate's um, mom and dad in Westport, and <laughs> yep. you now have your own apartment in New York City. Congratulations.
2: <laughs> Once I wrote the book, started realizing that, okay, it's, it's, it's time to move on.
1: <laughs> and the i love the fact to know that how much time do you spend as a volunteer firefighter in, in that's in weston connecticut
2: it really depends week by week it's it the nice thing about it is that it is a volunteer job so some weeks you know i'll be completely crazy myself running around spending time in in the city trying to work on my own business and won't be able to make too many calls in and then other weeks i'll be able to get one, two, three in a row. So uh, I would say it depends on the week on the busy ones. You know, it can be up to like 15, 20 hours a week. And wow. that's an to ones that you might take just kind of on call where you're mm-hmm. not actually on a scene, but you're just waiting for something to happen. Hmm. And s- sometimes I just will be able to get one, two.
1: Okay. You hours. know, Colin, I'm guessing that what we're going to be talking about today, there's going to be probably some examples and stories related to being a firefighter. So I'd love to hear those connections. All right. So listeners, here's what we're going to talk about. So Colin, my amazing nephew, and I am not biased people. He (laughs) wrote this book published recently published called Fitness by Darwin. So Colin, before you tell us about the premise of the book, let's have you talk first about your, how you discovered your passion for exercise, why that became so important for you, and why you devote your life to it.
2: Absolutely. Exercise is one of the things that I could just talk, talk, and talk, and talk about. And I mean, I wrote a book about it, so <laughs> yeah, obviously I job. can talk, and talk, and talk about it. I'll try not to, for any listeners that are... are Opposed to exercise, I'll try to make it a little bit broader than just exercise. But personally, I think I realized the importance just the first time was really when I was in high school. I was on the school's rugby team and I was genuinely, as a freshman, I think the worst one on the entire team. Like they put me on the wings and they gave me maybe the last 15 minutes is just dust up. And I spent the summer and... The autumn, working out, and trying to train myself, and trying to get into that, and lo and behold, by spring I was starting, and that was something that I didn't quite, I didn't quite realize that hard work could <laughs> yield rewards and could allow you, you know, personal betterment and professional betterment. Ding, 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 so that was my, yeah, exactly. It so exercise sort of taught me the importance of that, and then it was really, really, really laid down back in twenty. Eleven, because I have ulcerative colitis, which is a digestive disease, as you know. Yes, and you get you get the family newsletter. You know all the updates. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, people. There's no family newsletter. No, that's a
1: good good idea because it's I wasn't idea. I wasn't told that your mom was pregnant with your sister till she was five months pregnant, and everyone thought I knew. So that was I'm still traumatized by that.
2: <laughs> so I guess there is some. I guess there's demand some for the family newsletter. We'll post that out for the listeners. They could just join in and see what the carols are up to. Uh, yeah. When I was in 2011, I was a sophomore in college and I was going through an ulcerative colitis flare up that left me in the hospital. So I spent wow. a week in the hospital at the beginning of my, my second year. And by July of the following year, 10 months, I had been able to do my first Ironman just by covering. And yeah, you know, the. The basics, but it was definitely a rough time that that week and the months afterwards, and just the rehab, recovery, and rehabilitation of that. But when you're so active, I think there is something that really it's very, it's healing, um, and we're seeing more and more as of exercise as medicine. This idea that right. exercise and wellness aren't just these kinds of aesthetic, beneficial for the people who are going to the beach uh genres they really can be something that will help you live longer and will help keep you strong and will keep you fit and will help your joints feel better and just it allows day-to-day life to be that much easier and i found right. that myself after my ulcerative colitis flare-up and then eventually the triumph of finishing that first iron man was has been really definitely carried me through some some days
1: when did you first have the goal and desire to do an iron man
2: I stopped playing rugby due to injuries in high school. I was getting banged up. At, for those who uh, who do not know our family, we are sh- we are a short people. <laughs>
1: that's saying, that's foot, putting it mildly.
2: It's putting it mildly. At five foot eight. I'm kind of looking down on most of most of the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome one, one of the
1: giants. <laughs>
2: one of the giants. Uh, so got banged up a little bit, and then moved into triathlon. And I'm someone who I think really does better when he can throw himself into something. And so signed up for an Ironman after doing my first little Olympic distance triathlon, which is much shorter. And that was it. And and I just realized it, that I wanted
1: to do that. It's, uh, give the listeners a rundown what an Ironman consists of.
2: So you start with a 2.4 mile swim. Then <laughs> you gonna, get out of the water. I thought you
1: were going to say run. I'm like, oh, that's not so bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh God. my God. I don't know. No, it's a 2.4 mile swim. You get out of the water, you strip off your wetsuit, and then you go for a 112 mile bike. Then you pop off your bike into your running shoes and you run a marathon. So 26 miles. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, there's, it definitely takes a little bit of, it definitely takes a certain type to want to do that.
1: And so at that point, when you completed that first Ironman, Was it already solidified for you before that, or was that after that accomplishment, like, okay, this, I can go from being in the hospital 10 months later to completing this race. Um, There's something here to pay attention to.
2: I I think that that was the biggest one is just, I, of course, when I was in the hospital, I didn't think the Ironman was ever going to happen, but thanks to modern medicine, I got out of the hospital. So, Mm. I really appreciate the medical team at UNC Chapel Hill and the rest of my teams that have, have worked with me to keep me actually out of bed. Mm -hmm. So they were able to tamp it down, but once the major symptoms went away, exercise was the thing that just, there's something about not having a thing that makes it that much more desirable. And for me, when you get laid out in bed for a week and then you, aren't able to actually exercise because you've lost so much blood for a few months after that, the importance and just that being taken away, the ability to move and to exercise being taken away made me understand just how unbelievable and how lucky I was when I was able to exercise again, how great it was.
1: Yeah. So that was 2011. What year did you start the embark on this journey of writing this book? And when you, what was the impetus? And did you know from the very beginning that that's what you were setting out to do?
2: After graduating college, I I finished a year early. So I kind of moved around to Denver, Colorado, became a personal trainer, was not a very good personal trainer, (laughs) but just going with the basics, you know, bicep curls and certain kinds of squats, whatever, whatever. However, I had learned it myself Mm. and then moved to New York City, started to actually go along in the career of being a trainer mm. and it was through that that i started realizing that certain movements were really really good for the body and certain movements weren't really great for the body so that kind of sparked my curiosity as to why were certain movements even with people who might have shoulder injuries why were they able in a short period of time to start doing pull-ups that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like it would be expected And why is bench press so, why was bench press so bad for them? Because I had been doing bench press my whole life up to that point. And that curiosity led me down the road to, oh, maybe human evolution and the movements that we evolved to do. Maybe these things are related to the movements that we currently should be doing in the gym. And it was that line of thinking that led to me first start to research and that research eventually i didn't think it was going to become a book honestly i thought okay. it was going to be a little a little op-ed or something that it was a blog post and 4 years later and 600 scientific sources oh later, my god it is fitness by darwin the book
1: so give us the premise
2: the premise is that evolution should inform the way that we exercise it's the basic one so three movements that have been really important And honestly, integral to the way that our species evolved, which were climbing trees, running both fast away from things and slow to catch up to things and carrying. So picking something up off the ground and moving it from one place to another, climbing, running, and carrying are the three movements that I see as most important to our evolution as a species. Hmm. And as a result, if we can do exercises that mimic, exercises that mimic those movements in the gym. We're going to be stronger. We're going to look better. And we're going to avoid injury.
1: Wow. That's, that's, you know, especially that last one, avoiding injury, because you must come across, especially as a personal trainer, so many people who injure themselves in the gym.
2: It's kind of crazy. It's just, I've done some of these exercises that I used to do so frequently. And I just leave after doing a set of something like bench press, feeling like wild. Why are my shoulders hurting so badly? Why is it? It's not a good pain. It's not like, you know, the burn. It's not like you're feeling a great workout. I just feel like there there's just a tightness. There's someone jabbing an acupuncture needle into my joint, something bigger. I just don't, I don't like doing those movements as much. And I really do think it's because bench press and a series of other movements are not evolutionary. Humans Mm. never had to push rocks from a laying down position (laughs) forward and back up or really there are so many things we do in the gym that can't be related to how our species (laughs) worked out. And the further we get from that evolutionary history, I say, the more, the more risky, the workout routine becomes, the more adverse our body is to those Mm. movements.
1: So let me go back now to that. You you mentioned 600 plus references, um, scientific references, what was one of the most tedious parts of the, all that research and coming up with the, the sources?
2: <laughs> I think that tedium is in the eye of the teed holder, I guess, just that <laughs> for most people combing through, because those were the 600 that I used. There were, there were so many sources oh, that right. you come across that end up not being particularly relevant. Right. And you just can't be throwing every, the whole kitchen sink. At the reader, yeah. When you write a book that's sort of sort of based in science, so it it for me sorting through all of that was not tedious at all. Okay, tedium to me is just like tedium to me would be, I don't know what other people would really love, like programming, computer programming, or learning a language. That is the most that might feels like torture. Torture, torture, Amy. So when i can sit in front of a computer and be like oh that's a fascinating study that would go really well alongside this other one they're Thank making God. a piece of point
1: there are people like you cuz that uh, i i can I, I was though i have to say i was able to read your book and stay with it and follow along, and I loved all Good. the little humoristic um, anecdotes. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go back sometimes. I'm like, okay, now I knew there's a joke in that. Why didn't I get it? And then you know, it took me <laughs> sometimes. Your humor is so brilliant that it's, it was more subtle than uh, my brain was uh, able to absorb. Round I, first go.
2: You you know I appreciate that you read it like The Great Gatsby like you're going for the English report. That's that's familiar. <laughs> I did. Right there.
1: Yes, um, you're welcome.
2: <laughs> but it is supposed to be accessible. It is supposed to yeah. be the average person should be able to read this book and take a few things away from it for their own gym routines or just for their everyday life. Mm-hmm. If it's picking up their grandkids, oh maybe I should pick up my grandkids by planting on one leg and going into kind of like a a little reverse lunge towards them <laughs> rather yeah. than just bending down at right. the waist right. with my feet planted because that could lead to back problems. That could right. lead to back pain. So I try to make it really accessible. Yeah. I don't want it to be like, according to blah, 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 et al, this thing is suggesting that we should move this way. But according to blah, 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 et no. al, 2019, maybe it's, no, I I want it to be something that you can, yeah. it's not going to be a page turner. It's not going to be a Grisham novel, but <laughs> it should be something that, Pikes the, the the reader's attention.
1: Yeah. No, you I think pikes you definitely reader's accomplished reader's interest. Accomplished that. Um, Thank you. and knowing that you enjoyed this, all this research, were there surprising studies you came across while writing the book?
2: Well, I just realized that I said piked instead of peaked for the reader's interest. So I don't know. I think I may have lost the I think your your listeners may be a little suspect of my <laughs> expertise if I can't.
1: Oh, Colin, if I am I'm mispronouncing. Constantly. Colin, I was interviewing. Um, Pat, our, my, your aunt, my sister, I had her on many, many months ago. I went to introduce mm-hmm. myself. I mispronounced my last name.
2: Ooh, our last name.
1: Our last name.
2: <laughs> our last name. Oh, so that's rough. yeah.
1: So you got, you trust me, man. Listeners are going to be okay, very, they're, they're fine.
2: <laughs> they're used to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're very used We've to laid it. laid
2: out a groundwork. Uh, there's one really, really interesting study that's towards the back of the book. Um, and it's about just carrying exercises and deep core strengthening exercises. Uh, There were, I want to get the exact number of people, right? But they divided two groups of people with low back pain, or they divided a, a bunch of people with low back pain into two groups. One of whom they put on like a deep core training routine. Yeah. And one of the, and the other half who they put on just a general exercise routine. And the ones who did the deep core training saw significant drops in pain intensity, pain descriptors, and functional disability. Whereas the control group saw almost none of those gains. And I think the craziest thing is that in that deep core training group, nine of the people involved in that study were taking painkillers for low back pain. And by the end of the study, only two. We're taking painkillers now. Whereas the control group, nine people were taking their medication and all nine continued at the studies.
1: Wow. End.
2: So, the, and I think that was from the Brazil's University of San Paulo. I think that's what it was. Uh, to me, that's, that's the name of the game, right? That's right. exercise as medicine, clear as day. If it's going to help people get off pain medication, it's going to reduce the level of back pain to that extent. That's right. what we all want.
1: Right. No, that's phenomenal. So you were hinting at some exercises that you now turn your back on, to use a physical metaphor. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> oh, thank you. I wasn't going to understand it otherwise. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> So um, what are some of those exercises that you now say, people, these are suspect, be warned. The funny thing is, is I think
2: most everyone would agree that certain exercises are better than others in the gym,
1: mm-hmm.
2: at least people who have studied it and who are professionals in the fitness world, which is the scary part that some professionals even stick to, to some exercises that I think are pretty clearly not evolutionary and not just disevolutionary, but dangerous. Okay. Um, th- the biggest one is I think the weighted good morning, it's called, it's called a good morning exercise. Okay. It's so friendly, you wake <laughs> up and you have a good morning. You take a bunch of weight onto a barbell on your back and you basically lean forward until you're at close to a 90 degree angle on your hips. And then you stand back up. So you're just bobbing forward and backwards with a bunch of weight on your shoulders. Oh, And some would argue that, well, if it's done properly, it shouldn't be a problem and it should activate the right muscles and the hamstrings and all this other, uh, I don't know. Bruce Lee, the very famous fitness and martial arts practitioner was doing that exercise and experienced an injury so bad that it left him like bedridden. This is Bruce Lee. If Bruce Lee can't do it right. Right. The average person can't do it. Right. Yeah. And that is to me something that I would say when you're, An exercise like that, almost everyone, I think, should agree at this point that that exercise should not be in the average person's repertoire. It really shouldn't.
1: Yeah. And this, it's a, it's a, you want to, how I want to say this, just the fact that there's such a probably a high risk of injury, why take the chance?
2: Right. And people would say, well, there's this hamstring activation that gets elicited. Uh, okay, but we can do other exercises that are far less risky, as you've said, to elicit yeah. muscle activation in the hamstrings. Yeah. And that's the point of the book is that some exercises, the ones that can be based on human evolution, good. Others, not good. Can Again, I cannot imagine an evolutionary circumstance where we're leaning as far forward as we can with a bunch of weight on our shoulders and then standing back up.
1: Maybe if, if Jorg was f- fell into a cave and, yeah. and Albert had to lean over with, uh, no, I got nothing.
2: Yeah. But they're probably not from a standing position. And he would probably, you know what he'd do? He'd reach in and he'd pull them up like an, yeah, old, there you go. like an action movie where they're hanging off the cliff and that pulling like that, that's, you're okay with just that. The same, yeah, you're, that's the same motion as climbing, pretty much. Your
1: would be saved. <laughs> yeah, It was acceptable, so, in your opinion.
2: I do love that, though, that there's always like, well, I could, <laughs> I could be convinced to think that someone needs to bench press if maybe a rock lands on them and they get trapped. My favorite was I read online somewhere there was a guy arguing bench press was a functional day-to-day movement because he knew someone who got trapped under a boat and then had to push it off him
1: those boats man <laughs> I, just last week i i saw that happen i
2: <laughs> i think honestly i think the statistic is something like three out of ten americans will be trapped under a boat at some point in the next in the next year so <laughs> i understand where he was coming from but maybe <laughs> i don't there's a part of me that thinks maybe maybe that's not that functional maybe that doesn't happen all too much
1: yeah um when we come back from the break, Colin, uh, well, actually, before we um, move into the break, were there any other exercise you want to mention to just kind of warning, stay away from? These are the similar to the morning bench, uh, morning, whatever. Yeah, that the good morning. Though? The mm-hmm. good morning.
2: There are a couple that I, I don't love. Again, I wouldn't necessarily bench press all that much myself nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did. I did bench press. So I'm kind of the apostate there mm-hmm. saying that we should no longer be doing bench press all that frequently. Um, I prefer to go with exercises that I really love weighted mm-hmm. reverse lunges. I think are great. Mm-hmm. They can strengthen the gluteus medius, which is the big side, butt muscle uh, versions of pulling exercises, lat pull downs, pull ups. If you can manage them, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of exercises on my, of my own design that I have on Instagram fitness yes. by Darwin on Instagram.
1: So thank you for plugging that, because Mm -hmm. I want to say that right now, because as you're saying these terms, there's going to be listeners out there going, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, listeners, my friends, Colin has (laughs) done a brilliant job of assembling dozens and dozens of videos on Instagram um, that are very, very brief, that walk you through the exercise, that explain it, that show it. Uh, You just did a great job with those.
2: Thank you, Amy. That's that's been my big project now is to mm. for the hundreds or so ex like the three hundred or so exercises that I see as evolutionary. I try to just give a quick break, brief breakdown online of how to do it properly and what muscles it'll work. So that's, there's there's quite a variety of evolutionary exercises.
1: Wow! So it's going to be hard to get bored and stuck in a rut. I
2: certainly haven't. But yeah. again, type of person who does <laughs> multiple Ironmans is not the not the Not the best in terms of their enthusiasm for exercise.
1: Well, Uh, so listeners, if you want to connect with Colin, you got a couple options. Definitely check out his videos on Instagram. You can find them at Fitness by Darwin. You can also email Colin directly. And that's Colin with two L's, C-O-L-L-I-N, at fitnessbydarwin.com. And that's F-I-T-N-E-S-S-B-Y-D-A-R-W-I-N.com. All right. So, Carl, we're going to take a break now. Um, For listeners, if you want to get uh, your take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. And you can find more information about it on my website, carolcoaching.com. And that's two R's and two L's. Right, Carl?
2: Two R's, two
0: L's.
1: When we come back from break, we'll be hearing more from Colin. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers with concrete behavior changes in voice body language words and attitude amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle visit carolcoaching.com today that's c-a-r-r-o-l-l coaching.com You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carrollcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy.
1: Welcome back. My guest today is Colin Carroll. And we've been discussing his book recently published called Fitness by Darwin. And how these three main evolutionary movements can contribute to, how do you say it, greater health, fitness, mm-hmm. and reju- reducing injury or recovering from injuries?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. You lost it a little. It was a little <laughs> bit. You had it. You had it. So close. Uh, I, I, I like going with the basics of it. They'll help you look good, oh, get strong, and avoid injury.
1: Darn it. It was right here. <laughs> I took cheated. It's on the cover oh. of the It's on the cover of the book. Look how i to go based coffee on coffee stains. I don't even drink coffee and I got coffee stains on your book.
2: So People. Was, that's how you know that you read it. Yeah. You I was like get coffee stains on a book that you haven't read. <laughs> that.
1: I was kind of, I was like worried. and like, no, this is a good sign.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, you should see my copy of Harry Potter. I read it when I was nine. I don't know how there's so much coffee on it.
1: <laughs> so Colin, um, for listeners, we've talked about my siblings, Kevin and Pat a tiny bit. Um, All three of us are communication coaches, trainers, and Kevin has gone on to um, reinvent himself. uh, And again, uh, we're going to talk more about that later, though. Pat, Kevin, and I work with helping people to develop their leadership skills, their presentation skills. And Colin, I'd like for you to talk about the connection between that work and how exercise can help people become even more effective as leaders.
2: Kevin, for for the listeners who might not know, is actually also my father. So I've got to tread very carefully (laughs) so I don't avoid (laughs) So I avoid any awkward dinner conversations where he's like, you think you can teach people how to be a better leader than me? (laughs) He's not like that at all. He's very sweet, my dad. Uh, I think that it's a really good, point to make. I think it's a really good point that exercise and fitness and wellness have such a bearing on people's, could have such a bearing on people's professional success. For instance, again, studies, I always love studies. A study in the book that I cited was about how people with better posture are generally ones who are going to be assumed to be more confident in their ideas, more presentable, more like more leaderly. These are the type of traits that people might not even think of. It's so easy to think of the gym as just, all right, I read on the New York times, or I read on wherever that I have to do 30 minutes of this two times a week. So that my, the American Heart Association also says that if I do this and I Go for a long walk, then maybe I'll get an additional four years on the earth, which is true and great. But day-to-day life, if you're trying to make yourself a leader, if you're trying to make yourself an effective and accessible corporate or professional presence, literally presence, good posture, and uh, the, ben- the, the myriad benefit that, benefits that come with it, it's really important to have down. And yeah. the right exercises will get you there. will get yeah. you good posture.
1: Yeah. So w- when we're coaching people, uh, um, often I'm coaching them on a warm smile, direct eye contact, relaxed stance, and or a louder volume, or right. pausing, right? All of these things that lead to projecting competence and confidence. And so this point about good posture, it's it's just such an obvious uh, um example of another way to project that confidence. And right. I think people don't people might be listening, oh come on, give me a break. You know, you've got to be able to run the business and have knowledge. Yes, we're not saying you can't have those things. You can. you can't just show up with great posture and fake it till you right. make it. No, we're there's an assumption that you have all those other qualities. And someone with slumped posture who might have a poor core and someone who with <laughs> listen to me and someone with a strong core that has projects greater confidence uh, physically because of just the way they're standing mm-hmm. will absolutely show greater or, or communicate greater confidence uh, in the people they lead. No doubt.
2: And, it's it's so funny it's not just other people. It's also oneself. Yes. Like if you have better posture, you will be more confident in your own ideas. You will project more positivity, you will project more. It sounds so mumbo jumbo, but this right. is this has been looked at in a double blind professionally designed study that yeah. can see that people who and I I do use it in the book. People who have this postural connection, or people who are able to sit up taller, stand up taller, be a little bit straighter, they themselves think more positively of their ideas. So if you think more positively idea, your ideas, then the people who you're projecting to will also start noticing that as well, beyond what they actually will see themselves.
1: Yeah, you'll be more likely to pitch it. So something to share with you, it's not a perfect connection. So let's see what you can... um, pull from this example. I started doing cross-country ski marathons about 18 years ago. And one of the things that came as a result, Colin, which I was so surprised about, was I trained for the marathon. I completed mm-hmm. the marathon. I did it within the time frame. I, they, <laughs> they didn't have to ask You didn't me have
2: me. to. <laughs> Follow you up like a bunch of (laughs) James Bond villains skiing behind you. No, luckily. Just trying to pull you off the course.
1: (laughs) And um, what followed was my level of confidence increasing, having accomplished that physical challenge. Right. So my sense is that, you know, not only are people going to be feeling because they're going to be looking better, feeling stronger, that it's that impact of confidence radiates in other areas of my life now.
2: Absolutely. Right. And the thing is, while you are the professional in terms of here are the cues that you can take to make yourself here, here are the pauses you can take. Here are the ways that you can change your volume. Here are these like modifications that you can make. And those become so helpful as they become more and more ingrained. The best thing about being fit is that it, if you've got there, it's completely unconscious. It's, it just exists inside of you. Like you don't mm. have to, if, if you have the strength of the muscles, if you have the ability to have this greater posture, it doesn't become, I don't think about my posture in day-to-day life, mm-hmm. truly, but because you know, I'm in the gym, because I have these exercises that strengthen the core and glutes and back muscles, the things that are related to big posture, it just happens. So it's very unconscious. You can get this benefit without having to sort of self-censor as you're going through. Am I presenting the right way or am I taking the pauses I need to? It becomes ingrained. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, absolutely. And then the other thing, if the listeners haven't made this connection, it's reducing injuries or reducing likelihood of injuries more accurately. Mm -hmm. And then you're not going to be in physical pain. Right. You're not likely to have to take sick right. days.
2: Right. Now, all of a sudden, you cash them out at the end of the year. Just got yourself a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> you get cheaper health care. I think some, some, some bosses, some employers will offer you uh, discounts on your health care. I think if you have a certain heart rate or I, I don't know what metrics they use. That's really? obviously not scientific studies. That's just me kind of half remembering something I think I read on the news, but I do think <laughs> that I read it on the news at some point.
1: Yeah. And the uh, idea of cashing in your your unused sick days, you know, yeah. technically making money off this, being yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> so you, you, you just paid yourself out a bonus.
1: So Colin, um, we talked, I, I want to talk about your experiences as a firefighter. And how this level of fitness that you have, how that has helped you. And what do you see with other firefighters? It just seems like that is probably a profession that it's even more crucial that people are in good physical condition.
2: Professionals very much are tested and are regularly encouraged and instructed on working out and they're drilled constantly. They're making sure that they can use all their equipment and they have the physical capacity to do so. There is definitely a floor for volunteer firefighting where you aren't expected to oh, you know, pass out on the side of the fire. Uh, you're not expected to. You, you are expected to not, you know, get winded if you're just lugging an air pack around. There are these bare minimums, but it's a little bit more relaxed. However, when I did my training, I found that even it was we had a big part of training last summer that took weeks and weeks, 90 degree days in the summer and 90 degrees in the northeast summer, like the U.S. northeast, for those who are not familiar, is humid, Mm -hmm. extremely humid. You grew up in it. You would know I grew up in it. Oh, yeah. So those days that are brutally hot and devastatingly humid. Were actually much more manageable, just because I was able to do all of these movements because I had the baseline of fitness. And wow. you never know; not everybody is just going to be a volunteer firefighter. But who knows what circumstances you're in? Be it something like you have to run to catch a bus, yeah. or that you have to that people after work ask you, "Hey, we're going to do we're going to play a game of soccer, pick up soccer, whatever it is." You never know what circumstances life is going to throw you in, and I think most people would want a pretty solid base and how they can actually move before they, because the, there's a lot of pressure to say yes to these things or to right. Move yourself in day to day life.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause then there's the, what you're talking about is a, an informal networking. And if you're right. exclu- having to exclude yourself for physical, right. To avoid physical injury, that's a missed opportunity
2: there are these little things that are just so probably not even considered. And it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I think most people who are fit or who make a career out of it or who are professionals by no means look down on anyone who's not fit. You have a couple of the loudmouth loud mouths as there are in any field, but most people really just want everyone to be a part of what has brought them so much joy. And that's right. how I feel. The thing that has given me so much purpose and, has been so rewarding to me. I want everyone to be able to be in the gym and to maximize the efficient time that they get in the gym. And everyone to feel like they only need to spend 35 or 40 minutes in the gym and they've gotten this insane full body posture core workout without having to do this crazy high high intensity interval work that leaves them feeling like they can't get off the couch for the next two days. Right. I want it to be very accessible, but also very meaningful and very efficient. So- I think I'm like most in the industry who just want to share, hey, these are some exercises that have brought me a lot of a lot of benefits and a great number of benefits. And I want them to bring benefits to you. And That's speaking you, of listener, in your yeah, call right now.
1: Speaking to you also yeah. listeners, I didn't mention this before. If you go to Colin's website you will be able to download the PDF of his book. So he's not just preaching here. I love that you're, it's really yes. such a passion for you that you want to be generous and share this with people that you don't even want the, the, um, there to be a barrier for them to access the book.
2: The, no financial barrier. You can get it for free right now. You can just go to fitnessbydarwin.com book and just click a download of the PDF. And I think I have it on I don't know if it's on both Google Drive and Dropbox, but definitely on Google Drive where you can just take the whole PDF with the pictures and everything else and have that at your beck and call. Now, I'm someone who likes a nice physical copy of a book to get coffee stained and to get banged around, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Use it as a coaster. It's got practical value. Uh, I like that. but And if you like that too, it's on Amazon, Fitness by Darwin. But for some people, it might not be the case. And if you want to maybe give it a try out and see if, if the logic and the science make sense behind it, then yeah, download the PDF for free.
1: Yeah. And also, I think for people who are very visual, because as I was reading, I had forgotten about your Instagram account because I just don't spend a lot of time on Instagram. So even though mm-hmm. I, we connected, I had forgotten about it. And as I was reading the book, I'm like, oh my gosh, these pictures are great. I'd really love to see a video of him doing this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden like, Amy, go to Instagram. <laughs> so I was thrilled yeah. to be able to get those mini little videos. So thank you. All right, all right. Good. So I want to spend some time um talking about some of your other passions. Um
2: really?
1: let's let's give a little backstory about your dad basket weaving. No. Just kidding. (laughs) Your uh, dad's third career transition, and then how you got uh, um, involved in it.
2: Like father, like son, right? He's got three careers. I've got three. uh, More similarities between the two of us than either would like to admit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so he was in advertising for many years. Then he became the corporate communication speaker that you all have you and your sister and him have, have been able to push through. And then as kind of, kind of on a whim, he decided to get into just board game tabletop game design. And a friend of his from his advertising days was also also interested in doing so. And they partnered up and created this game, Tenzi, the speed dice game. And it became this blockbuster hit in the, Tabletop game world for all the people who have their all the parents who have their young kids, and eventually because it was successful, they were able to say to the kids and the wives and the rest of the family, "Hey, if you've got any ideas, pitch them on up." And so I did, and the game Slapsy was born, which is a speed matching game. And after Slapsy, Buildsy, which is a speed building game. You're probably picking up on the pattern. <laughs> uh, so I was. I've been. Able to have a lot of fun, and it's been really rewarding to be able to work with my dad and with Steve, his partner, in designing these great products that people get. I think have a lot of fun playing.
1: Yeah, and um, the uh, the other game that your dad and Steve developed is called Itzy. Oh mm-hmm. right! So that's the guessing game, right? Right. And uh, so, yeah, so. Um, I think
2: you had a small part in that, right? Or Sheila? No,
1: Sheila did. Yeah. I I Another trust of trust I would take credit if I could. <laughs> I'm really big. What? Sometimes Pat will say things. Oh, you know, Amy, Kevin said the most interesting thing. And then she repeats it. I'm like, no, that was me. <laughs> and one of my Oof, issues is rough. getting credit where credit is due. <laughs> <laughs> now, will I take credit for something that's not mine? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I yeah. will. <laughs>
2: Because you can't let anything slip through the cracks these days. No, man. You got to get your credit when you've done it. And sometimes you got to get your credit when maybe, maybe the credit. Someone else has made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else may not have picked up the credit. You're just going to leave it on the table now.
1: So Colin, um, you know, uh, this model that Pat developed of Predator Prey Partner, you know it very well. And uh, for listeners, I want to give you a shorthand definition of it. And then Colin, I'm going to turn it over to you to ask for you to share Uh, one or two examples of stories, how this has applied in your life. Mm -hmm. So uh, listeners, this is a communication model that Pat developed, and you can go check it out on her website, kirklandleadership.com. So uh, most of the time, most of us are behaving as partners. Like right now, Colin and I are holding high respect for ourselves, for each other, all as well. Though if there was a crisis, pressure, stress, perceived threat, and we just throw COVID in there. Or <laughs> if one of us was really hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, one of those possibilities, w- we could slip into the predator showing too much aggression or dominance.
2: Sure.
1: Or the prey showing too much, being too submissive. The predator can damage relationships. The prey can trigger someone, even a nice person to become a predator towards them. Hmm. Okay. So that's the backstory for the listeners. So Colin, Colin, I, I I live, breathe, and eat this stuff. I'm always, whether I'm on a train or watching a Netflix movie or I'm overhearing a conversation, I'm always seeing the world to the lens of this model. I mean, it's <laughs> that's how like I that do
2: it with the fitness, fitness by Darwin thing. Yep, exactly. I'm just like, oh, if only you could just tweak this. If you only just did one exercise a little I promise you it would be so good.
1: Oh yep. yeah. That is completely the same thing. Same thing. So uh, what are some stories from your past where you've had successes or failures applying the partner model?
2: Definitely. I would say in the process of it's because so many of the things that I feel like I've, I've done and have found success with have been kind of, solo endeavors. No one's doing an Ironman with you for the most part. Right. Just about every triathlete going at that distance has to find some way to get into it themselves. At least that's how I trained. I was doing all my workouts on my own for the Ironman. And for the book designing, it it was not the book designing, excuse me, the book writing, very much something similar where you're doing a lot of it yourself. But at a certain point, I had to start letting people in to start seeing how this thing was shaping up. Okay. And with writing, I think generally when you elicit feedback, you are by by the nature of the beast, you are the prey. You're giving up your thing and you are asking, how could I make it better? And the hardest thing is when you're in this mode is realizing that you're not actually the prey, you're the partner, but it's very easy to feel the prey. And that the person you're eliciting an edit from isn't necessarily a predator, they're also a partner. So it's kind of getting a dodge between those dynamics to realize that although it may feel one way, in reality, in actuality, it's the exact opposite. What you and I are having is a great conversation. So when I opened this book up to my parents, sister, girlfriend's whomever, it was the knowledge that when they were offering feedback, it could sometimes feel like I was prey and they were predator. Yeah. But in reality, it's you have to ground yourself in the knowledge that they consider themselves your partner and you have to also thus consider them a partner. So
1: I love that example because what I think many of us struggle with this. Whenever we put ourselves or find ourselves in a vulnerable position, in this case where you're opening yourself, you know, this body of work that you've been in 150% invested in, um, often many of us automatically feel like prey. Sure. Um, so sure. W- what helped you to become aware or shift into Perceiving this as not a predator, prey dynamic, though, as partner, partner.
2: Always, always. I defaulted at first to feeling like the prey,
1: right? right?
2: Because especially when you take a project that at that point, when I first started showing it to people, I had. Researched, written, re-researched, rewritten, and was then showing the third draft I ended up writing ten drafts for the, drafts for the book. So at first, I thought I was close to completion, <sighs> but it was the shift in realizing this is not a completed work. They're not tearing up your new work. You have as much time as you need to process these changes. That I started realizing that there was more of a partnership element. So uh-huh. it was just that it was so new that I was getting this types of feedback on something mm. I was this type of feedback on something I was so passionate about and had spent right. years on at that point. Right that I had to pull myself out of that idea of being in the prey dynamic and move to the realization that we are in the partner dynamic. So sometimes you may feel like a predator. You may feel like prey. Yeah. But grounding yourself in the hope, if nothing else that it's a partnership can really help you get through that feeling Mm -hmm. and kind of become more intellectual about it and appreciative for the partnership that girds the relationship
1: so i'm what i'm hearing when you say be more intellectual about it what i hear is you're creating distance taking it less personally um right and that can help and i'm i'm guessing colin the next time because there's going to be a next time a lot of next times for you when you're taking on another project you're going to probably be in that role that vulnerable space again and i i bet you'll more quickly close that gap and shift your thinking because right right. exactly Yep. Uh, we're out of time, man. Great interview. This was so fun. So Thank Colin, so before I let you go, what is one call for action you have for Well, actually, I'm going to tell listener you I'm going to tell listeners what my call for action is and then see if you have something you want to add. So you have got to go to Colin's website, download the PDF of the book, um check out his videos on Instagram Fitness by Darwin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um those are Two call for actions. Colin, what would you add to that?
2: (laughs) I love that as a place to start. (laughs) And you know what? If you haven't even, because if you're not someone who's completely active, just reading a book is something that hopefully, uh, hopefully if I've done my job right, I've written a book that's actually engaging. And I'd like to think that I have. So I want to really hit that one of those points, one of those calls to action that you made. If you just read the book, then maybe this starts percolating and maybe that piques your interest. I got it that time, piques your interest (laughs) to actually look at the Instagram and start incorporating this into your day-to-day life and day-to-day workouts.
1: So listeners, um, now that you have your assignment ahead of you, keep in mind next week, you're going to want to switch on, tune in, listen up and be inspired because I'm going to be speaking with leadership expert, Shirley Dalton. We're going to be talking about how your personality impacts your effectiveness as a leader. And Shirley is also going to give you an opportunity to discover your own personality type. You can check out my information on my website, carolcoaching.com, or connect with me directly on any of my social media channels, Amy Carol Coaching. And if you're game for more, I'll be hopping over to Facebook Live. Notice all the games and the hopping and the stretching and the push pulling. Five minutes past the hour for a chat on today's show. Colin, thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation.
2: Thanks so much, and amy And thank
1: you, listeners. You have been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.